One of the biggest stories today is about the gaming company Blizzard banning a player and rescinding prize money over their public support for the Hong Kong protesters. I've also heard a rumor, we'll get to it, that they may have even fired a couple employees who interviewed the guy in the first place and tried hiding. Here's the thing. A lot of American companies are bending the knee to China. They're just giving in to the censorship. And what's really fascinating is that we have numerous stories as of late all in the same vein. And it might be because of South Park. Seriously. Now, there's been a story emerging for some time that Hollywood and movies were changing or censoring certain things so that they could be aired in China. Because a lot of these businesses, hey, they just want money. And if China says no, they'll change it. And think about how that that affects our culture. Someone might make a movie and they will say, don't do that because we want to sell this in China. And then Americans end up feeling the censorship of the Communist Party of China. Now, the reason I think a lot of people are now being shocked by the stories. For one, Blizzard's a huge gaming company, some of the top esports. And we also have a story about the NBA. Chinese companies are shutting down broadcasts of the NBA. It's very complicated. We'll get into it. I got all the stories. But what I really want to talk about moving on from here is the danger and the threat of war with China. And it's, it's been something that's been talked about for years. You see, what a lot of people don't realize is that the trade war with China, you know, Trump and what he's negotiating, is, is nothing compared to the greater global conflict that may be on the horizon as China becomes a bigger and bigger superpower. And we see more and more companies in the United States bending the knee to the will of China. You have to recognize we can't reconcile our cultural breaking, you know, the, the break between our cultures. China wants censorship. China censors and disappears people. China has a detention center for people simply because they're Muslim. These are things we detest. And there are many American companies that want that sweet Chinese money. And so they're willing to do what China wants. But eventually a line gets drawn in the sand. And I think we're starting to see that line culturally. Now, look, there have been tensions between the U.S. and China in terms of military power, say the South China Sea, Africa, the Nicaraguan Canal. We'll get into all this. But all that stuff can be negotiated away when you have strong trade ties, when companies are saying, listen, we don't want to go to war because we're making money here. But eventually someone has to question the cultural differences. And I think for us as Americans, we look at the censorship of China, the the escalation of the Hong Kong protests. And it's Hong Kong now that may be the catalyst for that breakdown in our culture. As China seeks to impose its will over Hong Kong and people in the United States come to the defense of those in Hong Kong who deserve and demand the right to free, free speech and free expression and to be free from the rule of communist China, you can see how, that, how this negatively impacts business. And businesses start to bend the knee, but it can't last forever. And eventually we come to that point where business ties get severed. And when that happens, there will be nothing stopping us from saying, move your ships, move your military bases, stop encroaching on the South China Sea, stop your advancement in Africa. And eventually, while well, something changes, it comes to actual conflict. What that conflict will look like, I have no idea. Well, let's get started before I just rant too much. Let's get started and talk about the big news for those of you who are gamer fans and want to learn about what happened with Blizzard. And let me walk, through, walk you through the dangerous talk of the potential looming war with China, which some even entertain this trade war could, could end with nuclear missiles. Now, I know, I know. It may just be hyperbole. It may just be more talk of conflict that never goes anywhere. But let's talk about it and let's, let's, let's entertain how, how probable this might be. The first story on Blizzard. Before we get started, however, make sure you head over to timcast.com slash donate. 
if you would like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do is share this video. Now, I must admit, I believe right now the news cycle surrounding Donald Trump has become a zombie news cycle, and I refuse to engage in this nonsense any longer. I talked about a lot of the political stuff that I did because I felt it was the most important thing contextually for us, but it's gotten to that point where I'm I'm going to back away. So I admit, I don't don't make videos for the sake of viewership, and that means I rely on you, if you believe what I'm doing right here and this content is good, to share it. It means that I'm competing with CNN and MSNBC when they put out all of this insane news and they recycle the same fake stories and zombie stories. I'm competing with them and they're getting all the traffic on YouTube. So if you like my content, please consider sharing it and, uh, you know, tell people why you think they should check it out. Let's read. A unit of Activision Blizzard Inc. has punished a player for expressing support for Hong Kong's protest movement. The latest example of a U.S. company attempting to rein in speech that might displease the Chinese Communist Party. Why are Americans doing this? For shame. I will say this right now. I haven't played Hearthstone in a while, admittedly. Blizzard Entertainment said it was banning Ying Wai Chung, also known as Blitz Chung, from its professional Hearthstone esports competition for a year. Blizzard is also withholding money he had already earned in the company's top-tier Grandmasters tournament which Ng said in a Twitter message cost him $10,000 of prize earnings. The move was triggered when Ng, dressed in a a gas mask and goggles in defiance of authorities' ban on face masks, used a slogan in support of Hong Kong's pro-democracy protesters during a post-match interview. After an investigation, we are taking the necessary actions to prevent similar incidents from happening in the future, Blizzard said in a statement. Uh, On Chinese microblogging site Weibo, The official account of Hearthstone reposted Blizzard's statement in Chinese. We will, as always, resolutely safeguard the country's dignity, it added. Why, yes. This is a country that values its own image over the individual rights of its citizens or of those who don't even live there. We are seeing now Blizzard, an American company, removing somebody because China was mad. And you know what gets even scarier? What's going on with the NBA? Chinese firms Tencent, Vivo, and CCTV suspend ties with the NBA over Hong Kong tweet. We're Americans. We're Americans. We should not be influenced into supporting the Communist Party of China. But this cultural wave, it's not just these two instances. There are more. South Park recently called it out. South Park may be the catalyst for all this, letting the public know what's going on and sparking outrage over these stories. But let's check this story out real quick, and then I want to get into um, the, 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 the dangerous conflict we face that may be looming. I'm talking about physical confrontation. Smartphone maker Vivo, broadcaster CCTV, and internet giant Tencent said today they are suspending all cooperation with the National Basketball Association, becoming the latest Chinese firms to cut ties with the league after a tweet from a Houston Rockets executive supporting Hong Kong's pro-democracy protesters. Uh, It offended many in the world's most populous nation. Vivo, which is a key sponsor for the upcoming exhibition games to be played in Shanghai and Shenzhen this week, said in a statement on Chinese social networking platform Weibo that it was dissatisfied with Rockets general manager Daryl Morey's views on Hong Kong. In a tweet over the weekend, Morey voiced his support for protesters in Hong Kong. He said, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong, even as he quickly moved to delete the tweet and the NBA attempted to smoothen the dialogue. Maury's views had offended many in China, which maintains a low tolerance for criticism of its political system. In a statement, the NBA said it was regrettable 
that Mori's views had deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China. This stance from the NBA, which has grown accustomed, uh, which has grown accustomed to seeing its star players speak freely and criticize anyone they wish, including President Donald Trump, in turn offended many. Think about Colin Kaepernick and his protest and the outrage sparked in the US and the defense from people saying, no way. Now we have something quite interesting. Our enemy isn't internal. We're not fighting a culture war here. We're taking aim at communist China. Now, I I will admit, I covered many anti-war leftists, far leftists, defending communist China in the Hong Kong protests, blaming the protesters for sparking violence and fighting with cops. Very, very weird circumstance. And I've noted, when it comes to Hong Kong, you've got people demanding free speech and fighting against this authority, this power that is China. And so understanding where the line needs to be drawn is very, very difficult. But, I'll, but I'll, I have no problem criticizing the protesters who have beat innocent people or beat people, you know, even people who aren't necessarily innocent, but just don't beat people on the ground. They've done things that have been bad. They've vandalized property they shouldn't have. But the question is, which side are you on? Uh, that, that question is particularly muddy. For us as Americans, anybody fighting for free speech, that seems like a given. But we're having our own battles internally over free speech. And I'm not surprised then to see many on the far left supporting communist China when they call for censorship. China was offended by this. And so what's terrifying here is the American companies bending the knee to the Communist Party of China. Think about what will happen when Facebook does the same. Think about what will happen when Twitter does the same. And you know what? They have, not just to China, but other countries. They have censored speech to protect the the delicate sensibilities of cultures we do not agree with. In the end, we are facing down with China in the South China Sea, in Africa and South America with their oil exploration. They are not, they're continuing to produce coal plants. They are at odds with us. They are at odds with the left and the right of the United States. So you'd think perhaps the left and the right may have found a common enemy, something that, something that might bring America, America together. Now, they go on here and I think you get the point. The issue is that it's not just even these There's a controversy now over Van's shoes because someone submitted this sneaker design showing Hong Kong protesters and Van's pulled it. This is not the first time we've seen this story. I have to wonder why all this news right now, while some may tell you it's a conspiracy that the media worked with the U.S. government establishment for the war machine and they're ramping up this rhetoric to get to it. No, 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 no. Look, I understand that when it comes to Syria and the Middle East, you do have voices in media who, ver- who love war. And it seems like whenever Trump does something anti-war, like he pulled troops out of Syria, all of a sudden now everybody's angry. Oh, how dare you leave our allies? Oh, come on, dude. Trump pulling troops out of the Middle East. We weren't supposed to be there in the first place. But no, I think it's actually much simpler than that. American vocal political statements, I guess. South Park is erased in China after mocking censors. Now, I did cover this on my second channel the other day. And so I'll only lightly go over this. But South Park made an episode that is getting a ton of attention. People are taking notice as to what China is doing. And they're taking notice to our spineless cowards in the United States, these industries who apologize to China. Is that how bad you want their money? Is that, is that what's important to you? The creators of South Park, in a grand statement of defiance, issued a mock apology, which was absolutely hilarious, in which they said, Look, uh, like the NBA, we welcome the Chinese censors into our homes and into our hearts. The tongue-in-cheek statement read, we too love money more than freedom and democracy. Xi doesn't look like Winnie the Pooh at all. 
The last part makes more sense in the context of the episode, which had two plot lines related to China. Spoilers ahead. The, the statement they said goes on uh, a bit further. But what we end up seeing, this statement from, from uh, the South Park creators, is that us true Americans, we believe in freedom more than we believe in money. And so we have no problem mocking China when they demand censorship. To me, no amount of money is worth my soul. But I can't say the same for Blizzard, and I can't say the same for the NBA or Vans shoes. They want to sell shoes. Well, I don't want to live in a world where ideas are censored and our rights are stripped away by communists, okay? The Communist Party of China is not the most communist thing. I know there's, 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 there is good criticism from actual communists as to what China really is, more of an authoritarian system of sorts. But let's be real. Why should we in America be, uh, you know, negatively impacted and have our companies do, you know, telling us what we can or can't do based on what China wants? I don't live in China. I live in America. I'm allowed to, to say what I want to say. I have a First Amendment right. <laughs> and I am really glad. You know, you take a look at how powerful China's become. That, be glad that you're allowed to say what you can say. Check this out. From July 19th, confirmed, Google terminated Project Dragonfly, its censored Chinese search engine. I want to now segue off of these, these spineless American cowards who are bending the knee to, to Chinese censorship and talk about those who aren't. You see, Google tried for a while to have their search engine operate, but China said, hey, if you don't censor it, you can't be here. Eventually, Google said, okay, we, we, we'd rather be there than not. You know, China's notorious for stealing intellectual property. Eventually, there was, a, there was outrage in America. They refused. And it's coming from the left. So, you know, people at Google were, were outraged. Google backed down. This is actually good news, but it also leads us into a more terrifying future. See, the thing is, the only thing that would really stop a true war between the U.S. and China is trade ties. If big corporations refuse to supply and engage in the economic system that would result in war, then our countries are pretty much stuck for a bit, right? It's, it's hard. The governments can't override and declare war and it screws everybody over. But powerful, wealthy interests saying, don't do this, I'm making money. Well, that, that rings true to a lot of politicians' ears. We don't want to jeopardize those who fund our campaigns. So as long as these wealthy interests have trade ties, war is difficult. But here's the thing. Americans have said no. With the protests in Hong Kong, with the protesters in Hong Kong singing the, the U.S. anthem, I believe I have this story. Um, okay, now there's something else. Um, with the protesters in Hong Kong singing the American anthem, you now have people saying, we, you know, we support these Hong Kong protesters. This is the catalyst now for this wave of American companies facing criticism. The woke outrage kind of making sense in a sense. You know, the cancel culture actually makes sense. By all means, let's boycott and cancel companies that will bend the knee to China. But here's why China's angry. This story. Houston Rockets fan 25 is arrested over a picture of him intending to burn Chinese national flag while wearing team's jersey in support of the U.S. basketball franchise amid Beijing's row with NBA over Hong Kong. You see, this is what China doesn't want. They don't want their citizens saying yes to America. And so while they'll entertain the NBA in Vans shoes and, and Hearthstone and everything, only up until the point where it actually threatens what they're building and creating. And now you can see dissidents. This is a dissident putting on a mask and threatening, to, intending to burn a flag. Well, he was arrested. And that's something we, we cannot reconcile this. We will not as Americans, support a system that would arrest a citizen for their speech. We will challenge that. The ACLU will challenge that. Scholars, Republicans, and yes, to an extent, some Democrats, although I question many of the Democratic side over their free speech position. We now see 
the dangers of banning offensive speech. Well, so the government of China will say. In fact, the Chinese government has praised tech giants for their censorship. But let's get, to, get, let's get now to some of the more global political affairs that you need to understand that real conflict with China is entirely possible. I will say, I'm glad there are people in this country willing to defend the rights of those in Hong Kong who are fighting for free speech and freedom of expression and pushing back against the authoritarian Chinese government. I am terrified, however, that as these companies are shocked and scared into backing away from economic ties to China, it will push us towards real conflict. Now, a lot of people have criticized Donald Trump's trade war, saying he will do just that. But I think Trump has, you know, he has his own good reasons. Look, I'm not going to sit here and claim and defend the trade war with China, but I understand why Trump is engaging in this. And it's resulted in massive subsidies for farmers, which is a bad thing that we have to do this. But maybe we have to do this. You see, the problem is for the longest time, American jobs have been exported overseas. And that's resulted in a, in a weakening of our economy. At least that's the argument, okay? I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know everything about what's going on. But I will tell you this. As somebody who's a skateboarder, you want to know something really, really strange? A maple tree, a Canadian rock maple, will be harvested in Canada, shipped to China, turned into a skateboard, and sent back to the United States. How does that make sense? Why can't we just cut down the tree here? We have rock maples. And then cut them into skateboards and sell them here. It's because Chinese labor is cheap. So the job that once went to an American to make that skateboard was exported to China. There has been a big push for, for products being made in America for a long time. But this is the point. A lot of the, the, the trade war stuff is about the fact that our manufacturing base was shipped overseas, which meant massive corporations could turn a, a major profit while the, the value, the, the wealth held by the working class could be ex, uh, exported to China because their jobs were disappearing. This results in Trump saying trade war. Now, there are other reasons for, the, you know, the econo- for economic issues in certain areas. Andrew Yang talks about automation. The point is, I'm just trying to explain to you one of the arguments brought forward by Trump and his supporters as to why he must push back. China is notorious for stealing our intellectual property. Hundreds of millions of dollars spent in developing new phones and technology, and then China just steals and reverse engineers it, None of, n- not putting no capital towards this research, which means we in America are investing our dollars and then having it, having it be exploited. Not only that, China sells drugs to the U.S. through the dark web. Absolutely true. Designer drugs get shipped over here, and this is a, another big problem. All of these things are coming together. And you have to understand, it's not just about what affects the, us. It's about challenges facing the world. Check this out. This is called the Nicaragua Canal. It was proposed a long time ago. Uh, the, the latest uh, understanding I have is that the project is widely viewed as defunct. But a Chinese billionaire was trying to bypass the Panama Canal. The reason this is terrifying and dangerous is that it would have gone through the Nicaraguan, uh, the, the, what lake, there's a lake in Nicaragua, Lake Nicaragua it's called, okay. It's a central uh, uh, freshwater reservoir for Central America. It's a massive freshwater reservoir. And they wanted to cut up, uh, through Nicaragua so that they could compete with the Panama Canal. Now, the Panama Canal is seriously important. Instead of having to go all the way around South America to, for your shipping lanes, you can go right through the middle, right through Central America. Well, China wanted to compete. A billionaire was pushing this. This, is, this apparently is defunct. Not going to move forward. It's just an example of uh, China, as they become more and more powerful, begin to challenge the United States. Now, I don't believe the U.S. should be the world police. I don't believe that we should be in the, the empirical force putting our troops everywhere. And Trump said that, and it's really interesting 
that you have the establishment criticizing Trump. I got to say, Trump has made some foreign policy moves that I, I lean more towards agreeing with. Not perfect. He's done bad things. Absolutely. And it's, and it's hard to, to get over those, especially when he recently talks about having our troops be at the behest of Saudi Arabia, in a sense, a little hyperbolic, but yes, waiting to see what Saudi Arabia wants. I'm not going to praise the guy for his foreign policy. Pulling our troops out of Syria, in my opinion, good thing. Does it leave the Kurds high and dry? Well, we'll see what happens. But should we be the world police in the first place? Is it, is it our position to, to dictate what people should or should be doing? It's a big question. But in the end, the bigger point is, the United States is the sole remaining superpower. Barack Obama called Russia a regional power, but it's true. The U.S. tendrils have spread out and maintained itself for a long time. The system we have in place has maintained itself for a long time, for better or for worse. The point is, China is quickly growing. And the Nicaraguan Canal is just an example of them saying to the United States, we're here to compete with you. But there is more. The latest news from the other day, Donald Trump has announced 28 Chinese organizations are being added to United States blacklists over concerns about their role in human rights violations, effectively blocking those entities from buying American products. Now, I've talked about civil war, but let me talk about the parallels to this and past global conflict. The Chinese government is detaining, what, over a million uh, Uyghur Muslims? I say the organizations have been implicated in China's campaign targeting Uyghurs and other predominantly Muslim minorities in the autonomous region of Xinjiang according to a Commerce Department filing. Among the entities being placed on the list are Hick, uh, Hickvision, I guess how you say it, and Dahua Technology. We get it. Think about the parallels to past global conflict. Here we are facing down a global superpower that has engaged in conflict with us. Uh, in, in a sense, there's been, there's been war games. There's been uh, you know, potential pushback in the South China Sea. China is building coal plants in violation, in a, well, in, in a sense, violation of what we expect from, you know, the Paris Agreement and the international treaties on climate change. I'd like to see the activists point this out. I talked about it. China is not abiding by what we hope we want everyone to abide by. They're still building coal plants and they're contributing more carbon emissions to the world than anybody else. They're sending their people all across the world. It's, it's, it's in a sense, light colonization. China's expanding. And you know what? The South China Morning Post has not been shy about entertaining the possibility of U.S.-Chinese conflict. Now, let me tie this together before we move into the final thoughts, the final, the final thread of this. As the trade ties break down and as outrage emerges over American companies bending the knee to China, you can see that we will not reconcile our differences. Americans will say, no way. Check this out. So this is Mark Kern, one of the original, uh, I believe he was the lead developer on World of Warcraft, a major popular game. And he said, aw, F it. I just saw the penalties Blizzard levied on the player. There is keeping politics out of games. Then there is grandstanding to appease the Chinese Communist Party. F Blizzard, you screwed up and traded your players for dollars. And there we can see that in America, the outrage will push these businesses to eventually choose one side or the other. And as they're American companies, I'd be willing to bet they, they, they are going to choose American cultural norms. Now, it's, it's possible they just buy into a different brand so they don't get the negative pushback. We have this tweet from Marco Rubio uh, re regarding Blizzard. This is what's amazing. Marco Rubio talking about Blizzard, a game that makes Hearthstone, saying, recognize what's happening here. People who don't live in China must either self-censor or face dismissal and suspensions. China using access to market as leverage to crush free speech globally. Implications of this will be felt long after everyone in U.S. politics today is gone. 
But here's the story from, the, from South China Morning Post. One world, two empires. Is China-U.S. conflict inevitable? I'm not going to read this story. I don't need to because they wrote, they wrote other ones. Check this out. China has built seven new military bases in South China Sea, U.S. Navy commander says. This is, a sto- this is a story that we heard so much about, the potential conflict looming as China is building military bases on atolls in the South China Sea. How about this one? Following this, these U.S.-China military tussles are how the next world war begins. This is the South China Morning Post, which is owned by Alibaba, a Chinese company. And this is what they've been saying. They have not been shy about it. Can the U.S. win the new Cold War with China? Oh, we've escalated. It's not just that we're entering a possible conflict. We're in it. And no, we can't, not without risking a nuclear war. America is using flimsy means to confront the strongest adversary it has ever faced and needs to ask itself if it, if it is willing to fight a hot war to maintain its position in Asia. The South China Morning Post kind of sounds like this company is running an op-ed that's saying, you can't win America. Not unless you want to go to nuclear war, which you don't want to do. But you know what? The conflicts don't end. You know, in, in, in the story from just the other day, Vietnam again accuses China of violating its fishing rights in its exclusive economic zone. Three Chinese vessels chased away a local fishing boat from an area in the South China Sea. They're expanding. They're encroaching. They're, they're taunting conflict. They're demanding censorship. And I wonder how long it can go on for. Conversations about a potential war with China are not new. As I showed you, these articles, they've been around for quite some time. Is it inevitable? They say in March 2018. They then say in, in October of 2018 that this is how the next world war begins. If the final stage of geopolitical rivalry is military confrontation, the starting pistol may have already been fired. Let's read a little bit. Uh, this is from Kerry Huang. There are increasing signs that escalating tensions in the U.S.-China relationship are spilling over to military-to-military ties. As U.S.-China relations deteriorate rapidly on a number of critical fronts, including trade, technology, human rights, and geopolitics, a series of events has inflamed military-to-military ties and increased the risk of direct military conflict between the powers. So here's why I bring this up. Going back to Blizzard, where it all started, today's big story. Hong Kong protests have been ongoing for a long time, and China refuses to lose. But these people protesting in Hong Kong are singing our national anthem. And this presents a problem for China. If people in America support what Hong Kong is doing, it will hurt China. So China will strike back by censoring the NBA, by demanding companies remove competitors. This results in American cultural backlash. Eventually, we end up confronting the real issues surrounding what's going on with China, the trade war, Trump, and all of these things. It all comes together. The puzzle pieces are being laid out. We simply need that one flick of the domino that rolls forward. It seems small. One small issue, Blizzard, Hearthstone, video games. But that could be one tiny domino that leads to the collapse of the gigantic tower that was propped up and precariously placed. When people start saying enough, we don't need the money of China, because as South Park said, jokingly, we care about money more than freedom. No, it's the inverse. That's the point. We care about freedom more than we care about money. And eventually that becomes, it becomes important to Americans to highlight. And when the companies start backing away from China, and as the trade war escalates and Trump imposes tariffs to drive manufacturing back to the U.S., that loss of trade could result in a true conflict. We have nothing left holding us together. You know, I watched an episode of uh, uh, Penn and Teller's show on Showtime, 
And they talked about why the UK, why, why England and France stopped fighting. And he talked about trade. People realized they could get rich and it ended war. And that's actually been one of the arguments for these trade unions like the European Union and the Trans-Pacific Partnership to prevent all out war. But that means if we negotiate with China on what we can do to trade now today to prevent war, it also means we're negotiating on our cultural and cherished our cultural principles, things we hold dear, free speech, our constitution. It means that we acknowledge that their censorship and their authoritarianism will compromise just a little bit with. Eventually, we say no. We won't compromise with that. And then as China continues to push in Africa for oil exploration in South America, as they continue to push around Vietnamese ships in the South China Sea and build military bases and build coal plants, much to the anger of the international community, eventually we reach that point where we say, enough, we're not going to let you do this. But who will win? I honestly don't know. Will it even happen? I honestly don't know. What I can tell you is all of these things, things seem to be coming together. And I can also tell you that I'm disgusted with the news media in the U.S. because of their obsession with the orange man. And I know we've talked a little bit about it today. He's the president. He's the one, you know, leading this trade war and engaging all these practices. But stop with the scandal talk. I don't care. We've got bigger issues to talk about. We've got ongoing protests in France, in Hong Kong, escalating tensions between the U.S. and China. And it may be reaching a very, very dangerous point. Let's talk about things that matter. The U.S. media is obsessed, and it's time to focus on things that might actually impact us. I'll leave it there. Let me know what you think. Do you, do you agree that there's a potential conflict coming? Is it, does it seem inevitable? And do you agree with the points I've made in this video? You can leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. I'll see you all there. I do not like... George W. Bush. I am no fan of the wars that he got us into and that still linger to this day, causing us extensive problems. Donald Trump is pulling what little troops we have in Syria out, and it's a pretty complicated issue, but I'm a pretty anti-intervention kind of individual, so I kind of lean towards being like, wow, that's that's a pretty that's pretty much a good thing, getting out of Syria. I do understand that's going to leave the Kurds high and dry. It's complicated. I don't want to talk about all the war stuff, because you know, I'd go on forever. This story is about woke outrage, over Ellen DeGeneres being seen, <gasps> gasp, with George W. Bush. And as I stated, I am no fan of his. But here's the thing, okay? This photo, I wonder, I think they have the photo in here that I want to show you. So this image was displayed on the TV and, and heavens, you can see George W. Bush sitting next to Ellen DeGeneres. How is it uh, that a Hollywood liberal is sitting next to a conservative Republican president? Surely the world must be ending. I have a very, very simple answer for you. Is it because Ellen is friends with George W. Bush? Well, she says she's friends with a lot of people, and she does allude to the fact, I, I do believe she says she's friends with them. So, uh, yeah, but that's not why they're sitting next to each other. They're sitting next to each other for a really simple reason. Guess what? It's because they both got invited to a game, and a bunch of people were sitting next to different people. This is so insane. But uh, obviously, you know, because of George W. Bush's his, uh, his history, the wars, your typical fare, right, your standard fare of woke outrage is, is they're coming after her. A bad look for Ellen show? For what? Going to a football game and being a celebrity so you sit next to other high-profile individuals? That's literally it. I, you know, it's like, you know what, man? This is what they do. There are photos of me teaching migrant ch children how to fly a drone. It's this beautiful photo where the kids are all swarming around and looking at, it's, it was the GoPro drone controller. They just continued it. It's kind of sad. 
But it was this cool thing. It was like this oval box. You open it, you get a screen on it. So the kids are looking. And it's a, it's, it's a great little photo. We were at, the, at an airport in Athens where it was being used as a refugee center. And these kids were watching me f- you know, fly my drone around to film. And they came over and I showed them how it worked. It's a great little photo, isn't it? But here's the thing. I also happen to have interviewed some alt-right people. And that's the photo. They're like, look at him. He's at the same bar as them. And I'm not eating food. Like in the picture, it's like a glass of water. Other people are drinking. I'm not even drinking because I'm doing what journalists do. I showed up. We talked. We argued a little bit. And then I laughed and said, eh, you know, if I'm going to try and understand somebody and talk about it to all of you, yeah, I'm going to have to go and sit down with people I probably disagree with. And that's literally what we did. So now, while I'm also not a big fan of Ellen DeGeneres, eh, she's fine. I mean, whatever. George W. Bush got us involved in a bunch of really messed up wars that have been going on endlessly. And uh, yeah, those problems have been longstanding. So I, I hold a particular, you know what, man, there's a, there's a bunch of things. You know what Directive 50, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Presidential Directive 51, is it? I made a video about it. It's on my other channel. But basically, I believe it was like 2007, Bush signed into uh, uh, law this executive plan and I can understand why this might be a good thing, but it allows the president for seemingly arbitrary reasons, like rel- relatively, to completely overthrow the U.S. government. It's a really crazy thing. Uh, the, the, the video game, The Division, is based off of this. It, it basically says if there's a catastrophe somewhere in the world that results in major loss of life, the president has the authority to form a constitutional government with like a new executive branch. And it's like, the, the, the point is, we, we can debate the merits of that. The point is, I'm not a fan of the guy, but I'm also not insane enough to be like, look at this picture. They must be best friends. No, they're literally at a football game. You know what, man? I've watched basketball games and guess what? Courtside tickets or whatever it is. You'll see a bunch of people, celebrities sitting next to each other. And then what? You assume they're all best friends. What is she supposed to do? Pull out a protest sign and shove it in his face? This is what's look. So the defense she took, I find, you know, I I can find respectable. She said, Well, here's the story. We're all different. We've forgotten that is okay. Ellen DeGeneres defends herself after being pilloried online for sitting with her friend, George W. Bush, at a Dallas Cowboys game. Now, I will stress, I I do not believe she went there with George W. Bush. That's the point, right? She's with her wife, Portia de Rossi, and it just so happens they sat next to George Bush. But she said, quote, here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs I have. Now, I, I actually take issue with that statement. And, and to an extent, I'll actually kind of agree with some of the woke outrage. Listen, man, you don't have to be friends with the guy to not be, uh, you know, to, to defend yourself for sitting next to him. I, I, I think there's absolute reasons why someone would not want to be friends with George, Del, with, with George W. Bush. That's fine. Okay, and I think we can be cordial and respectable, but you don't have to be friends. Okay, there are people in this country that I'm willing to sit next to and talk with that I'm not going to be friends with. That's fine. Alan DeGeneres doesn't have to come out and defend the guy over his beliefs when it's not his beliefs I'm particularly concerned about. It's (laughs) the endless Middle Eastern wars. And, you know, it's it's really funny. The Babylon Bee. I don't know if you've been following the uh, the the story about Syria and the the troop pullout and what Trump is doing. I, I might do something about that later. Uh, I think it's really, really fascinating. It's complicated. But uh, the Babylon Bee wrote something like the people are outraged because Trump is ending, uh, you know, violating norms by ending the endless wars or something like that. I found it funny. But you actually do have a lot of people who are, who are angry that Trump wants to pull out of the Middle East. This is somehow turning into a war thing. I'm going to get I'm, let's, let's Let's read. So I, let me just show you the, the outrage. So Ellen tweeted this last night. 
Yes, that was me at the Cowboys game with George W. Bush over the weekend. Here's the whole story. And she showed this video clip where she turns her phone to George W. Bush, and there he is. I also want to point out, it's so strange that there, there, was, a, there was a video, I think, of Michelle Obama giving George W. Bush a piece of candy that went viral, and all of the left was like, aww. And, and, I'm, and I'm kind of shocked by that. There was a poll recently that I think it found that George W. Bush has more favorability among Democrats now uh, like than they ever did or something. It was like 53%. I can't remember exactly what happened. But I will tell you, memory is selective. And, and you know what, man? I think with what Trump represents, a populist right, the establishment right, some of them got in line and said, you know what? And they, and they said, We're gonna, we'll, we'll, we will play the Trump game. A lot of them became never Trumpers and actually went and voted for Hillary Clinton. I kid you not. I've actually met some of these people. They're like, you know, one guy I know, moderately wealthy and said, no, no, Trump is wrong. And he went. And so what I think happens is you look at the old parties. You look at Lindsey Graham, right? You look at these Republicans who are outraged that Trump would uh, uh, be withdrawing troops from Syria. And then I look at the people on the left who have defended George W. Bush. And I think it's because the left has absorbed a lot of these pro-war people. That's why I think a lot of the anti-war left, uh, like uh, Mafic Media, for instance, are targeted with censorship. Anti, the, uh, it was anti-media, I believe, was also censored. That big story about um, live action being censored on Pinterest, in that list, you can see anti-media as well, which is an anti-war outlet. So going down, we can see where we get to the, uh, this, the, this, the beginning of the woke outrage. And I love Aaron Rupar. He's, he's at Vox, I, I believe, or he was, he is, whatever. This is a bad look for the Ellen show. A bad look. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Clinton Yates said Ellen sitting next to W definitely qualified as a Sunday shocker. Yeah, kind of. But so what? They sat next to each other. I once sat next to, uh, who did I, uh, whatever. I've sat next to a bunch of people on airplanes. So I'm like, oh, hey, I know you, right? Whatever. Here's Aaron Rupar. I don't care how nice of a guy George W. Bush is. He was one of our worst presidents and left our country and world in bad shape. The mess he helped create, we're still trying to dig out of. This is a bad look for Ellen. Cenk Uger of the Young Turks said something to the effect of, if Trump keeps us out of war with Iran, he'll, he'll have been a better president than George W. Bush, something like that. And um, I, I could be getting that wrong, but assuming that's what he said, I agree. So I'm actually, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised that outrage isn't greater. Like there, there isn't more, you know, especially now that she's coming out and saying she's friends with them. I'm going to have to say, man, that's, 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 that's a pretty tough statement because we're talking about beliefs. We're not talking about George W. Bush being a Christian conservative. We're talking about him starting several wars. That's the big issue, right? Parker Malloy says, just Ellen DeGeneres hanging out with her buddy George W. Bush taking in a football game. Anyway, bold choice for the Ellen show to hang out with GWB two days before SCOTUS. We'll hear a case about whether it will be legal to discriminate against LGBTQ people in employment. Now, look, I can point out that Ellen said that she's friends. Okay, you want to criticize her for being friends with the guy? That I can understand. Like, come on, man. You know, they like, but, but I got, I'm going to have to point that out that the left likes to take photographs of people sitting next to each other and act like it's the end of the world. When in reality, she went to this game and he happened to have been sitting there. Now, okay, she wants to say she's friends. I understand what she's doing. Civility. Okay, respect for the other side, respect for, you know, conservatives and liberals need to respect each other. That I, that I can understand and agree with. But it also feels like kind of a whitewashing of what the Bush era really was. I'm not, my, my criticism of, of Bush isn't about his domestic policy stuff. It's his foreign policy. I mean, it's always foreign policy for me, right? So I get it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Clearly, the woke outrage 
has more to do with, presumably, uh, more to do with social issues, in which case I can understand why she said what she said. Now, she took this tweet that said, Ellen and George Bush together makes me have faith in America again. What the guy actually did was ha ha ha. Ellen and George Bush together makes me have faith in America again. Maybe it was a joke. Maybe it was serious. She edited the tweet. That's kind of weird. So uh, they, they go on to show these quotes. I get it. She concluded by thanking Charlotte and Jerry Jones, as well as George and Laura Bush for a Sunday afternoon that was so fun, but added that they owe her $6 for the nachos. <laughs> I love it when your establishment celebrities hang out with, uh, with former conservative presidents. Listen, there's one thing I want to absolutely slam and criticize in this. The elites, the celebrities, they're playing a game. That's what it's all about. The fact that she's going to sit next to George W. Bush, she can then make her point about, you know, we have to be civil and respect each other. The fact that Michelle Obama is seen in that video handing George W. Bush, that shows us that when they get up on stage and talk about how bad the other side is, they're full of it. It is, it is kind of an open secret that you'll, you'll, you'll see these, these high-profile hotels where Democrats and Republicans will be seen together hanging out, having beers, drinking and having fun and being friends. And that's kind of a good thing right? We're losing that. And I, 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 I wouldn't want the opposite. But I will stress, when you hear from these people, outrage, contempt, oh, how dare they believe this or do this? How dare they push this law? And then they go behind the scenes and they're laughing and giggling and eating nachos together. Their outrage is fake. You can disagree, okay? I know there are people that I'm friends with that I do disagree with. And I will politely and cordially say, you know, look, we're friends. We really disagree on so many things and we have good conversations about it. But what I'm specifically talking about is when they get up on stage and say, how dare you? How dare you do this? And they go up on their show and say, we can't have this. We must stop. And then you think there's this big passion and this, this big emotional outburst. And then they walk, you know, they leave and they go to the, the football game and there they are with their buddy and they're wink, wink, nudge, nudging. It makes me believe that most of them don't actually believe what they claim to believe. But in the end, I'm going to point out one more important thing. Ellen might not like George W. Bush. What do you want her to do? Okay. She sits next to him. They, he's smiling and they're laughing. And what is she supposed to do? Be mean to him? Nah, sorry, man. This is insanity. And, and, and I'm, 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 I'm not going to defend what she said about, you know, I can, you know, friends with police and everything. But I think it would have been more appropriate if she came out and said, listen, I went to a football game. George W. Bush was there. What do you want me to do? You want me to start yelling at him and waving a protest sign? No, come on. George W. Bush is an American citizen, a former president. He's going to be at these games in the high profile seats, and we're going to sit next to each other, and we're going to be polite to each other because we're, we're, in a, we're both Americans. We don't have to be friends. We don't have to work together. We don't have to agree with each other. We just have to agree not to beat each other up and be civil. And this is what we're seeing, okay? So, so regardless of all of the criticism, I'll give her a little criticism, and I'll give that woke outright some criticism. But civility, it's a picture of civility. It's a picture of a guy who I really, really do not like sitting next to someone I kind of really don't care about. Am I going to get mad at either of them? No. You notice something really important? There's no outrage that Bush was sitting next to Ellen DeGeneres. Have you noticed any conservatives coming out and being like, I can't believe George W. Bush would sit next to her? No. Politics flows in one direction. I'll tell you that. Anyway, you get the point. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all there. I think our world is becoming increasingly unhinged, as we can see in this story. Now, there's been a big push for various marginalized groups to get their rights. Typically, I agree with a lot of these causes because everybody should have rights. And the individual is the individual. I don't care who you love or, or where you come from or what you believe. 
We want to respect individual rights. We have this overarching set of rules. Don't be violent. Don't infringe other people's rights, things like that. But now things are getting so confusing. I just, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say about this segment. Okay. YouTuber Trisha Paytas announces that she's a transgender gay man who will continue to live as a woman, but is accused of exploiting the LGBTQ community for clickbait. Now, it very well may be. This is an instance of somebody on YouTube desperately trying to get clicks and pandering, sort of, or trying to play up some trend. It's a female claiming that she's actually transgender male, but she's attracted to men and is going to keep living as a woman. So in other words, a straight woman? But she does have photos of herself, you know, looking like a guy, I guess. And there's one like, so she... Here's the thing, like women, that's normal female clothes. Like there's nothing about this that makes you a guy. So here's the problem. Why is it okay to accuse her of exploiting the LGBTQ community for clickbait? Maybe she really is. Or maybe it's an instance of somebody who has been reading all of these things and being told all of these things and then saying, okay, and then doing it. Here's what you got to understand. There's this big controversy in, uh, in, I guess, lesbian circles, because a lot of the young women who are told they're trans male, trans, you know, they're trans men, they're born female, are uh, same-sex attracted. And so there's been a big outcry from the lesbian community that trans activism is erasing lesbianism. These lesbians are then called TERFs. There's also been a big controversy because people who are born, I, 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 you know what, man, this is so insanely confusing. I, I understand. But this is the point, right? Nothing seems to make sense. How, how has this, she done anything wrong? Check it out. There was a big controversy a couple years ago that's been kind of ongoing, uh, having to do with the lesbian community, because there are people who are born male, who identify as women, and then try to start relationships with lesbians. So a straight couple, sort of. But the lesbians don't want to be with somebody who's male, right? So this causes... A big, it caused a big controversy where they're now saying that these lesbians who don't want to sleep with biological males are, are TERFs, are trans-exclusionary radical feminists. This is that same thing, only this time she's being accused of exploiting the LGBTQ community. This is a biological female who wants to hook up with guys, but is, I, I, you know what, man, I'm sorry. The problem I, I experienced with this story is, for one, it is so insane, but also kind of contradictory. Shouldn't the LGBTQ community support her and say she can live and, and, and dress and identify as however she wants? Instead, they're saying she's exploiting the community. But I, 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 don't, I don't know. I have no idea. So this is, this is, this is where I talk about, like, I, I feel like this is societal breakdown. You've got someone who either sees an opportunity to get clicks or genuinely feels a certain way. Look, she has a video called I Am Transgender Female to Male with a picture of her haircut short and she's wearing a polo. But this in no way makes her a guy. Women dress that way too. I know tons of women with short haircuts who wear polo shirts. It, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything anymore. So, so where do we draw the line? Do we simply, you know, how do we create laws that protect everybody when you can have a woman saying she's trans man, but wants to be with guys and live like a woman, in which case she will literally change nothing. She will still act and dress like a female and hook up with guys, but claim the rights presented for the trans community. Okay. (laughs) 
have no idea. Everything seems to be falling apart. I got to admit, you know, the past, uh, I, I was actually, you know, uh, I have a bunch of, a bunch of tabs. You, can, you can't see them all pulled up, but I have, a, I have a ton of different stories and sources right above here on the line. I, I, I keep them out because sometimes they don't make it to the final cut, and so I just don't want to distract. But there are a bunch of stories that I've been looking at where it really does feel like this hurricane. There, the, you know, our society has entered this, this, this maelstrom, and it's been spinning faster and faster and faster, and this is the eye of the storm, where it's spun so fast, it is spinning out and about to just burst. How do you accurately report this story? YouTube rules say you can't disparage marginalized communities. If I criticize her and call her exploiting the community, am I then diminishing, you know, and, 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 and am I in violation of YouTube's rules? What if I say, you know what, more power to her? Am I then in violation of the rules because she's exploiting the community? There's no answer anymore. We've spun out. It's going to burst. Because how is anyone supposed to talk about this? It makes no sense. Maybe that's the point. Let's read a little bit. YouTuber Trisha Paytas has been slammed after announcing, announcing she, is a tra- she is transgender in a controversial video that has, been, that has seen that has seen her accused of exploiting the LGBTQ, the LGBT community. But, but what about literally anybody else? What about literally anybody else who does basically the same thing? We don't criticize them. Cancel culture, woke outrage doesn't seem to be making any sense anymore. Some people who do want, like, you, you know, I, I brought this up a while ago, but the word woman is considered exclusionary because of women of color and trans women. So then they come out with Wimixen, W-O-M-X-N, not exaggerating, literally what they said. And then that was slammed as exclusionary because trans women are women. And we're at the point now where quite literally anything you do is offensive. Maybe that's what she's trying to do. I have no idea what's going on. I, I can't tell you. This is just, there's, 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 it's, it, there used to be order, right? And I don't mean authority. I mean order, meaning you could quantify the rules and you knew how to act and you knew what you could or couldn't do within the, within the realm of society. We're at a point now where cancel culture will just randomly target anything for any reason. And so people are just doing insane things that make no sense. They say the celebrity Big Brother star from California was born and has been living as a female, but posted a video to her YouTube channel titled I am transgender female to male, in which she said she actually feels she is a gay man at the end. See, here's the thing. I, I, when, uh, 10, how long ago was this? This was, uh, 12 or 13 years ago. I had an apartment with some friends in, on, the nor- on the north side of Chicago and, uh, by Wrigley Stadium. Wrigley Stadium is a few blocks away from an area they call Boys Town. So in this area, there's a lot of the gay community. Uh, then there's Uptown in Chicago, which is, mo- they call it Girls Town. So there's Boys Town and Girls-, Girls Town. They're actually separate. When I was there, a friend of mine explained to me for the first time in my life, something I did not understand, the idea of a trans woman lesbian. I didn't, know- I didn't understand this. It was, it was a guy... So, uh, so a, a friend of my friend, so, so I had a friend and she told me about her friend. She was explaining to me like how this stuff, you know, works and, 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 you know, how people feel. And she said that a friend of hers was born male, transitioned to become a, a trans woman, but was still attracted to women. And I didn't quite understand that concept. And she explained it to me that who you're attracted to is not who you feel like you are. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Now here we are, you know, 12 or 13 years later, hearing a story about a woman who's saying basically the same thing in the other direction, but being attacked for it. They say at the end of the 15 minute video she shared with her 4.9 million followers, she concluded, do I think I'm transgender? Yes, a thousand percent. 
Do I identify with my natural born gender? A thousand percent. Wait, what? Fans were outraged by the announcement, with some accusing Trisha of treating the LGBT community as a joke. How is that fair, though? It's fair to say she's confused, but this seems to be, in my opinion, more like somebody who has been inundated with all of these different stories and then adopted one of them. In reality, men and women are, are bimodal, okay? What that means is the most, uh, the most feminine, th- there are many, many men who are effeminate and more effeminate than many women because there's an overlap. It doesn't mean they're not men or women. It means that in terms of how people behave and their, their, their mannerisms, they're the, the most, uh, according to this graph I was reading, the most effeminate male is actually more effeminate than the average female. And the most masculine female is more masculine than the average male. But these are very, very, very small percentages. So they exist. What ends up happening then is you have someone who is female, but she's being told all the time in the media, this is what you really are. And then she makes a nonsensical statement, comes out on video and gets attacked for it and gets attacked for it. I would actually have to say this. Based on the rules of social justice and what we're trying to do, the only thing you could really do is defend everything she's saying. If you want to be in support of the LGBTQ community, you cannot question this and criticize her and question her motives. Because to question this individual's motives would be to question, would open the door to questioning literally any other motive. Now, now check this out. In New York City, for, for, for one, they protect, they, they, they identify 31 genders which makes no sense because they literally repeat genders with acronyms like female to male is considered a gender in New York, like a full gender, but so is FTM, which literally means female to male. I don't know why they separate it. But according to the law in New York City, your gender identity is your self-expression. So it could literally be anything. If she came out and said what she said, legally, she would be protected. You cannot discriminate against her for everything she, she said. But I think it's fair to point out that she has no grip on reality. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be honest. If she's being slammed by the LGBT community, then clearly they're not believing her. If she thinks she's trans, but also female, but she is female, clearly she doesn't understand what's actually going on around her. It seems like, you know, we really are in this post-truth world where, you know, you've got media outlets fighting with media outlets, both claiming one thing is true and the other thing it's not, misframing things. And you've got people who are watching what's happening with the, the whole like trans issue, having no way to, to understand what or who they are, and then coming out and creating this hodgepodge. Look, man, I saw this story and I said, wait, is it, you know, at first I was thinking, is this a woman who's pretending to be trans? And then I read it and looked at her photos and I think it's somebody who's confused and thinks she's trans. She said she feels like a drag queen as she identifies with female to male. How does this, any of this make sense? Think of like a drag queen. They do their full glam and everything, but in their day to day, they're not. They're very low key, whatever. So you're not trans. You're like, this makes no sense. I I just don't even, she added that she also has (laughs) male genital envy and she feels like she has masculine energy. During the 15-minute rant, she said, do I think, I'm, yeah, so we read that already. So I think that's where, where I'm at. And I feel really free and liberated. I think it's important that you're gonna, you can identify as masculine and feminine. You can identify as male and female if you choose. She concluded, I think you can be a transgender person without having the judgment of not being trans enough for not, or not being passable. And there it is, the complete breakdown. 
There is nothing. There is no trans. There is no gender. Everyone just is. And it doesn't matter what you say you are because other people will perceive you and they'll perceive you wrong. So how does any of this work? In the end, it doesn't. It really doesn't because biology exists. You know, I did a story yesterday about girls who are skipping school because they refuse to use gender neutral bathrooms with boys. That's going to be a reality. These, these gender roles didn't emerge because some guy wrote down random things one day. They emerged due to the progress of society and our biology. Now, we can, we can change that fine, but here's what you can't do. You can't beg for the breakdown. You can't say it's all socially constructed. And then when she comes out, slam her for it. Because by your own rules, she is a protected class. Someone said, Trish, through all the crazy S you've done, this is it for me. Gotta hit that unfollow <laughs> There's actual trans people who are getting murdered every day for being themselves. And here you seriously doing this for clickbait and likes, you might actually be canceled now. One commenter, just following the whole Trisha Paytas drama and wondering when influencers, major corporations would stop exploiting the LGBTQ plus community. There it is. You can't even agree with them anymore. You come out and say, you know what? You guys are right. It's all meaningless. And here's what I think. And they cancel you. You come out and support them, say, fake ally, you have no right to speak for us. There's literally nothing you can do. There's, is it a social experiment? You know what? So she, she responded to the criticism saying, you don't know me, my journey, my struggle, my transition. I've been with a gender, gender identity therapist specialist for the past six months because I hated who I was since I was three. Think before you tweet, this is more harmful than me sharing my story. Let's talk about the, the, the terrifying reality. You know what's really going on? A lot of young people, a lot of people in general, have body dysmorphia and don't see themselves in what's presented in, on billboards and TVs. And people need to learn to love who they are. That includes anything about you. You need to look, we're all dealt a hand. Sometimes you get, you know, a, a two, seven off suit and you're sitting there angry that someone's got, you know, King Ace suited and you're like, it's not fair. So you get these people who come out and say, everybody should get King Ace suited. Well, you can't. There's only four kings. There's only four aces. And sometimes you get seven to, do you guys don't know, play, play poker? You know, you, you, some of you might get the point. The point is uh, uh, two and a seven uh, off, off suit would be like, you know, two of clubs and a seven of diamonds. Terrible hand, terrible hand. And uh, ace king suited is, is arguably one of the best. I'm not a big poker player, so I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm making a point. The point is sometimes your hand is trash. You can still win. You can still win. I played a game of poker one time. It was amazing. Because I had 2-7, and I had no idea what I was doing. And so because I had no idea what I was doing, I didn't have to bluff. And so the dude, we were, we were playing a game of poker, um, no, not for any real cash. It was just chips for, like, you know, fun. And this, this, this dude actually had, I can't remember what he had. I think he might have had, like, pocket kings or something. He had two, two kings. And so he had, that's a good chance to win. And I ended up getting, I think I ended up getting a straight. Uh, I, maybe it wasn't a straight. I can't remember what happened, but I got ridiculously lucky. And the dude couldn't tell if I was bluffing because I literally had no idea what I was doing. And he got really, really mad afterwards. And so sometimes you just accidentally pull ahead. Other times, one of my, one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation is when Riker is playing poker with everybody and Data. And Data is this you know, computer who can calculate. And based on what he has, he says, I have the best chance to win. Riker bets and you know, keeps pushing forward with a good poker face. Data eventually folds, saying he must have something good. And it turns out he bluffed. Data didn't understand the concept. The point I'm making is, what people don't seem to realize is we're all different. None of us are perfect. You're never going to be, you know, uh, you're, look, not everybody's Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt. But you can be the best you. 
if you just work hard and, 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 and improve yourself and better yourself and learn to love who you are. Would it be great to be a six foot three chiseled, you know, super ripped guy? It, it, it would be, but that's not you. I mean, some of you are probably like that. Sure. You got you to make do with what you have and who you are. And too many people now can't accept that they are a thing and they want to be something else. Well, I'll tell you what, one day science may learn to reprogram cells rapidly and you can turn into, you can shape shift and be whatever you want. But for the time being, just be who you are, live your life, learn to love and respect yourself. Otherwise, this is what happens. A society where everyone hates who they are and wants to be something else. But we're not there yet. We can't transfer your brain, whatever makes you you. We, we don't have the technology. One day, maybe. For the time being, everything seems to be an attempt to just placate. But even then, when you get someone like this presenting what may be one of the most absurd circumstances, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's absurd because I, I guess it's going to be in violation of the rules. I, I don't know what to tell you. I really, really don't. This makes no sense to me. And, and guess what? It will continue to not make sense. It feels like we used to, society used to be, you know, uh, there, there was an organized line. You could see everything was placed neatly. And so imagine a puzzle box. The puzzle was slowly being put together. We are putting these pieces together, building out this bigger picture of what we had. And then at some point, someone just flipped the table and all the pieces are bouncing around randomly. And that's the point we're at. The pieces are falling back in the box, shaking up and dissolving into nothing. Now we don't have a picture. Now we don't know what the rules are. We don't, I don't know why this is offensive. It's, it's not the first time I've heard a story like this, but they're angry about it. Why? Because she's famous? I, I can't tell you, man. All I know is I don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> I'm going to be over here. I'm going to go order some pizza and play some, I don't know, like uh, uh, Warcraft or, uh, uh, or Smash Brothers and just mind my own business. I think that's what everybody wants at this point. The problem is this kind of stuff keeps finding its way into movies. And now, you know what, man? I, got, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you other than there are more pressing things in the world particularly the chaos involving China. And this will be the plug for the next video. Make sure you go to TimCast, uh, youtube.com slash TimCast, 4 p.m. Big news dealing with China, and uh, it's more important than this. So I usually reserve the bigger, more important stories for my main channel. Stick around. I will see you all there at 4 p.m. Oh, she's running. You've been warned. The media keeps talking about Hillary Clinton running in 2020, and I think it's likely, probable, She's doing this press tour. Not only that, check it out. She's doing this uh, fundraiser at her house or something on the 16th, and it's like $50,000 a ticket. I wonder what that could be for. Why would she need all of that money? Hmm. Is it because she just wants to be comfortable? Maybe. Is she obsessed with Trump and losing the 2016 election? Yeah, that much more than anything else. So here's the thing. There's, there's a couple big conspiracy theories that I want to I entertain. Now, we have this story. It's an op-ed written by Willie Brown. Who should run against Trump? How about Hillary Clinton? Well, you know what? Trump has invited Hillary Clinton to enter the race on one condition. Now, Willie Brown brings to the point the Democratic field is pretty pathetic. And I got to admit, it kind of is. While I personally am a fan of Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang, as are many of the you know, more moderate centrist left-leaning types, I don't know if they could win. I don't. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to be like, of course, Tulsi will win. I'd like her to for a lot of reasons, but I don't think it's likely, but I do think it's worth, worth the effort. But I'm a realist, okay? Maybe a bit of a pessimist. Fine, whatever. But if, you, if you're a Democrat and you want to beat Trump, 
I'll tell you what, Joe Biden's not getting you there. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Buttigieg, Booker, Harris, they're not getting you across that finish line. Okay, I'm a realist. I, I'll admit, I think Tulsi's a long shot for a lot of reasons. And then, you know, after that, all these other candidates, they're not going to win either. So if you just want Trump to lose, if you're a never Trumper, or if you're a, you know, a Democrat who just wants to win, well, I, I got to have to admit, I think Hillary's your best bet. I think she can win. I think it's likely she would not win. But here's the thing. Trump tweeted about this. And he said, I think that crooked Hillary Clinton should enter the race to try and steal it away from under uber left Elizabeth Warren. Only one condition. The crooked one must explain all of her high crimes and misdemeanors, including how and why she deleted 33,000 emails after getting C subpoena. Now, why would Trump tweet that? Does he really want her to enter the race? It's really strange. But there are two potential conspiracy theories. They're not like the most outlandish things. Now, before we get started, though, go to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's multiple ways you can do it. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical ad- uh, physical address to th- send things through. Two, of course, the best thing you can do, just share this video. If, if you like it, share it and tell people why you think they should watch it. And it helps me grow the channel and all that stuff. But now let's talk about these conspiracies. The first is that, you know, it was recently announced Donald Trump's, uh, uh, the Depar- Department of, uh, I believe the State Department or is it Department of Justice? I don't know. There's going to be an investigation into the, into the email scandal. It's now ongoing. And they're actually, you know, they're moving forward, right? And then all of a sudden, we start hearing in the media, Hillary Clinton should run. Hillary Clinton should run. So people on the right think she wants to use 2020 as a shield. Look at Joe Biden, for instance, right? Did Joe Biden do anything wrong with Ukraine? No idea. Sworn pro- a prosecutor swore uh, a statement saying Joe Biden did this for this reason. Joe Biden admitted. But whether there was quid pro quo from Biden to protect his son, it's a complicated issue. But I'll tell you what, hey, investigator, right? Here's the problem. Trump says, look into it. And they go, but Joe Biden is a presidential candidate. Trump, you can't investigate. So you, wait, wait, you're, kidding, you're, t- you're telling me that as soon as you announce you're running for president, you're immune from, cr- from scrutiny? Oh, please. Well, hey, apparently so. So isn't it convenient then that as Trump begins digging into 2016 to figure out what st- how this all started and what's going on with Hillary's emails, people start acting like she's going to run. Now go back to that, uh, that, that fundraiser, right? She's having a fundraiser at her house, like $50,000 to, to attend. Now, why, why would that be? What could she do with that money? Here's the thing. Before she officially announces she can raise all the money in the world, you can give one, one individual can give Hillary Clinton a million dollars. And then when she announces, illegal. If she announces, then you can't give her a million dollars. So this is why people think she's going to announce sometime after October. She's doing the press tour. She's doing the fundraising. She's, and she's asking for a lot of money. Now, here's the, here's, so, so, so basically, let me just summarize that. She's under investigation. Apparently, her emails, right? If she's a presidential candidate, everyone's going to say Trump's just targeting his rival. But here's the inverse. The inverse theory is that, of course, Hillary Clinton was going to go for a rematch. Of course, she was going to go for Trump. This is not the first time I've talked about it. I did a video, what, like a year ago, talking about Hillary Clinton, you know, gearing up for 2020. So some people on the left would now say that Trump is just trying to dig up dirt to smear Hillary if she does run. Admittedly, I don't think this is a particularly prominent thing because people on the left don't like Hillary Clinton, but this is kind of an inverse view of why Trump would have done this. And check out his tweet. You might ask, why is Trump inviting Hillary Clinton to run? Well, think about it. If she's already going to run and we all know it, then Trump isn't inviting anything. It's going to happen, whether he says anything or not. What he did do, however, is prime the field 
souring, poisoning the well, right? 33,000 emails after a subpoena. You see, here's what I think is going to happen. I think Trump knows Hillary Clinton is going to run. I think they're seeing all of the signs and they're taking a precaution. This is a tweet to make sure people don't forget Hillary Clinton deleted emails after receiving a subpoena. He wants to make sure before she gets in, he can be like crooked Hillary. And here's the proof. And that's why people think maybe he's digging into her, her emails. But, but let's, let's be real. Let's be real. Donald Trump is investigating the email thing and CrowdStrike and Biden, not because he has, he, he's worried about 2020 at all. It's because he wants to know what happened with the Mueller probe and why he was investigated for three years and then nothing came up. So there you go. But here is the best part. Resmussen, Trump versus Clinton is still neck and neck. Now I'll admit, if you think Trump's got it in the bag, you will be sorely mistaken. It will be a tough fight between Trump and Hillary, but Trump, I think, has the big advantage. The reason being, Trump's base is bigger. His approval rating is up. His approval rating is better today than it was you know, two years ago. There was a big spike in his approval once he got elected, and then it went down for a lot of reasons. But it's improved steadily and gradually, slowly going up. And it's at a high point. It, it goes up and down, but it's higher today than it was a year ago or the year before that. That means, and also Trump's favorability, meaning people who might not have even voted, just do you like the guy or not, more people view him favorably than when he got elected. So it will be a tough fight for Hillary. But I'd be willing to bet right now, I'll say it. I'll put a small bit down, a gentleman's bet, what I mean to say. A gentleman's bet meaning there's no money on the line. It's just, it's our word. We'll see who is correct. So I will wager a gentleman's bet with all of you that Hillary Clinton will enter the race. Now, there's nothing to lose. If she, if she doesn't enter the race, fine, whatever. But I think it's a strong possibility, a very strong possibility. So check this out from Rasmussen. Some have speculated that if Joe Biden falters in the race for the Democratic presidential nomination, Hillary Clinton will jump in in a repeat matchup of the 2016 election. Clinton runs dead even with President Trump, but even most Democrats don't want her to get into the race. You see, because they don't want to lose. But I'll tell you what, man, you don't got anybody else. You know what? Here's what you do. Pull Tulsi Gabbard up against Trump. Trump will probably still win, but at least you, you, you'd find your principled democratic position. That's what we, we need to happen right now. Everyone's playing this game of one up. You know, I got to do one more than you to get the attention of the press. You're not going to beat Trump at gaming the press. Dude, stop trying. You can't win. It's hilarious, man. You know, Beto O'Rourke said something like tear down this wall. It's like, oh, dude, are you kidding me? He literally was saying the wall, the border wall in El Paso should be removed. I don't know. Look it up. I was, I was talking about it the other day because he's trying to be the exact opposite of Trump. He's trying to one up the position to get attention from the press. And then they ask him, it's like, but there are areas that actually need border barriers and they've seen crime go down. And then all of a sudden Beto walks it back. Well, well not everywhere, not everywhere. Right. Because you're nuts. But here's the thing. Donald Trump, he is a media man. He's always been a media man. He is a marketing legend, no matter what you think. Your name isn't on top of that building in New York City. It's his name, okay? So you can criticize him all you want. You can insult him. You can call him names. What does it matter? He knows how to get branding done, and he did it. So when it comes to playing this media game, you think any one of these people desperately trying to, to fight each other, claw their way to the top of the media, you know, the media news cycle, you think they're going to beat Trump? Never going to happen. Never going to happen. You might, you might see outliers pop up here and there. You might see stories emerge here and there. Of course you do. But if Trump wants, Trump snaps his fingers, or better yet, Trump thumbprints his phone and types a few words, and all of a sudden, everything you were doing 
is gone. You know, it reminds me of uh, the Iron Man 2. You've seen Iron Man 2? With uh, Justin Hammer, played by Sam Rockwell. Excellent portrayal, by the way. And he's doing that interview in um, Monaco. And as soon as Tony Stark shows up, the interviewer turns and start, starts trying to get an exclusive with Tony. And all of a sudden, Hammer's like, wait, wait, you know, like, what, what about our story? It's just, just a minute, and she leaves. That's what's going to happen. You get all of these Democrats all riled up, desperately trying to get attention so they can grow their base. And then they're talking, and they're bragging, and then Trump says something, and then all the cameras turn around. All of them. It doesn't matter if what Trump says is good or bad. But I'll tell you what. Hillary might, might take the attention away. You know, here's the problem. Star power. For real. Name a Democrat. Calculate. In your, in your mind. Star power. Do they have it? Of course not. Of course not. None of them have it, man. Now, Pete Buttigieg surprised us. He's got more star power than we realized, but he's still kind of just a generic dude. You know, he's got a lot going for him. I mean, Joe Biden, a little bit of star power, but oof, very generic. Bernie Sanders was a, was, a, was a surprise in 2016, but come on. None of these people have it. You know what I mean? That X factor. Trump has it in spades. Whatever it is, Trump just talks and the cameras listen. They can't let it go. Now, I'll tell you this. Hillary Clinton has a different kind of star power. The way I view Trump is kind of like, you know, uh, 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 somebody who's, who's developed a skill over a long period of time versus somebody who's been handed the keys to the castle, right? Trump is somebody who kicked his, kicked his way in somewhat. You know, I think Trump's history with the money and the loan and everything, it's not like he grew up in the gutter. No, he came from a, from a well-off family. So if I was going to compare the two, I'd say Hillary Clinton was handed the keys to the castle and she walked in. She has star power because she commands it. Whereas uh, Donald Trump knows how the system works and plays them like, you know, like a, like a violin. Here's what I'm trying to say. Let's, let's get rid of it. I'll wrap, I'm going to wrap this up. Hillary Clinton can command the press. She can get press attention and they give her all of the good, good attention. They always have. They still do. She's doing this press tour and they line up to hear what she has to say. I don't think she can beat Trump, but I will tell you this. I think Trump is preparing for the fight. I think he expects it. Hillary Clinton's doing a fundraiser and high profile Democrats are saying she's got to do it. Why? Well, the Democratic basis, uh, the Democratic field is too weak. I'll tell you what, man, what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a debate stage with Tulsi Gabbard, Donald Trump. I don't think Tulsi would beat Trump in the election for a lot of reasons, but I do think what she has to say is important. And I do think it's important to show for one, young, younger people, Tulsi, I believe is 38. She's not in her seventies. Show that there's a young base principled and rational. So do I think they'll win now? No, the economy is fantastic and people want to keep things going. But think about 2024. If you don't put someone on that stage who inspires the next wave of Democrats, we're we're not going to win. We're not going to win. End of story. And also, come on, everybody else is nuts. At least Tulsi's not insane. You know, like her and Yang, they might have some ideas I disagree with. Yang, I think, has a ton of ideas that are pretty out there, but that's fine. They're both very rational, calm people who seem to be good people willing to have that conversation. Man, the, the, the Andrew Yang Ben Shapiro special was, was so awesome. Very, very awesome. Anyway, I hope you're ready for Clinton 2020. Stick around. A couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. In my last segment, I talked about how in politics, they're desperately trying to one-up each other to win press attention. That if Bernie comes out and says, Medicare for all, 
and then Beto comes out a day later saying the same thing, nobody cares. They're going to be like, yeah, so what? Been there, done that. So then you get all the Democrats coming out saying, Medicare for everybody who doesn't live in this country. They try to one-up each other. And this is why I think the media is dead. It's not a phenomenon that only affects politics. It's everything. Every single story must bring you something new and one-up the last bit, be it politics or otherwise. And let me show you a physical manifestation. Hold, hold on. This video is going to be about how no one trusts the media anymore. So we have a couple stories. Here's one from September, uh, just a few weeks ago. 13% trust media a great deal. We have this story from just the other day. Trusted media plummets further. 50% don't. It's actually much worse than that. They, they're, they're, in, they're being fair here. The reality is it's around 39% consider the media trustworthy. In this other study, they found uh, only 30% trusted, only 13% trusted a great deal. I'd like to now show you the effects of one-upsmanship in media. If every story you see needs to be bigger than the last, otherwise you won't click it. It's hard to quantify if what you're reading is true. They'll say, Donald Trump is is mean. The next time they got to write a story, well, we can't call him mean. We already did. What about he, he's prejudicial? Well, well, how about you just call him racist? We know he's racist. Just say it. They escalate every day. He's racist. He's the worst racist. He's the biggest racist. He's almost as bad as, you know, high profile racist. He's worse than high profile racist. It's hard to know if they're being honest, but let me show you a picture. This is from the New York Post. And what you're seeing is a big bootied woman. That's right. A big bootied woman. Instagram model says she makes $1.5 million a year by posting big, big butt pics. Now, this butt is beyond the average size butt. In fact, someone says, ain't real, so don't care. And there it is. We know, there's a subreddit called Instagram Reality. I believe it's called Instagram Reality, where we know that they're faking it. And these are insane standards that don't exist, but people are becoming, they're attracted to it. This woman's butt her waist, her figure, it's probably not real at all, but people think it's real and they're becoming attracted because it's a one-up. It used to be a woman had a nice butt. Then someone said, well, you need a bigger butt than that, and a bigger butt than that, and eventually you get the world's biggest butt. And now you have a woman who makes $1.5 million because you got a big fake butt. That's a physical manifestation of, look, I got no problem if you like the big butt. That's fine. The point I'm saying is this is ext- an extreme outlier and she's making all this money because people can't take their eyes away. And so that's, that's where we end up. So I can show you this. You know, we're, we're seeing trust decline. Let me read this, this analysis. The news media is rapidly losing the public's trust as a source of news and information about politics. Only 39% consider it trustworthy compared with 50% who said they trust the media not too much or none. Last year, 46% said it was trustworthy source of uh, political news and information, and only 43% disagreed. Well, it's flipped. Now, most people think it's bad. Democrats still generally trust the news media. Yeah, it's probably why they're Democrats. Okay, listen, I was a Democrat my whole life. I, I, there was no, there was nothing else. Like all I knew in my existence was it was like, I don't know, the Republicans seemed weird. They didn't align with my family and what we did and what we believed. Today, the news media is full of it and smearing Trump all day, every day. You don't got to like Trump to realize that. And that's the only real quantifier to what makes me not left, according to these leftists, that I don't agree with the media. I kid you not. I do a story and I say, no quid pro quo in the transcript. I read it. No one told me what to think. I don't have a boss. And they say, why are you defending Trump? You must be a conservative. No, 
because the media is full of it because they're lying. I'm not surprised Democrats still generally trust the news media. You'd have to. <laughs> it's the only way you'd, you'd live in this Wally world fake reality where everything's a conspiracy theory. It's nuts. Now, let's, let's be real. I ain't talking about Ukraine. We'll do it. A sworn affidavit, multiple sworn affidavits saying that Joe Biden was, uh, you know, got a guy, got the prosecutor fired um, because, he, you know, because he was investigating Burisma or whatever. Fine, fine. That's why he did it, because his son was working there. I don't believe the prosecutor. I don't. I think they've got reason to come after Biden and, and so they can make things up. However, they swore a statement under oath. It is not about my opinion. It is not my right to determine what is true. It is about figuring out what is true through an investigation. However, for the Democrats, the news media can do wrongs, no wrong. So when CNN comes out and says, it's all conspiracy theories, don't believe it. Okay. Well, check out this story. This is fascinating. First, America's trust in mass media edges down to 41%. It's a different study. So we're seeing that trend, right? Our 90-second culture. And this is what I want to highlight. Looking at, looking, looking at that big butt pick, you, you look at these algorithms, you look at what, what people need, and it's not the computers, it's not a rabbit hole, it's that people are hungry for more. That's it. You know, there was a study recently done that talked about all of these rabbit hole studies. If you're not familiar, these leftists try to claim that YouTube leads people down a rabbit hole. And the argument is that the algorithm feeds you worse and worse content. Well, that makes no sense. That, that's not possible. The algorithm doesn't understand what is worse than something else. The algorithm doesn't know the difference between a banana and a, a cucumber. It just knows the different words. So if you're talking about, you know, like imagine this. Imagine if, some, if, they, if there were an article saying that people who watch food channel videos eventually became morbidly obese and ate insane amounts of food. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Like, you can't just choose politics and claim it happens. It's not what happens. What happens is a combination of factors. People try to one themselves up. I got to make sure I do another video that's worse, crazier than the last. And sometimes that's just not the case. And sometimes your views are going to go down. But see, a lot of people have this attachment to their view count where if it goes down, they get depression and anxiety. I kid you not. It's a fact. But in, in this study, they point this out. For the most part, none of these things play a role. It's that people choose to watch content. That's it. If I make a video saying, you know, chocolate ice cream tastes good, someone has to choose to click it. If I make a video saying chocolate ice cream is the worst flavor, someone has to choose to click it. Now, you might argue this is, this is the same for any other social network. It's not. You see, the way Facebook and Twitter works is that you get only a couple things in front of your face. The way YouTube works is that when you open the page, you get 15 videos and you're going to be drawn to what you think is interesting. Now, some people can go one direction, but there's no reason why they can't go the other. This is, this is, this is why I'm, I'm driven, I'm, I'm annoyed, to say the least, by this fake narrative. But the reality of it, and why I bring this up, is that it all falls in line with our 90-second culture, this story. They talk about how it took 90 seconds for the Covington kids to be smeared. They say, you know, it was uh, uh, a high schooler. Took not, uh, they start with, a, with good stories, 90 seconds to save someone's life, 90 seconds to evacuate a, a plane. But in the media, we talk about 90 seconds for Co Covington kids to just be standing there and then all of a sudden be turned into this evil, the ills of Donald Trump. We have two things to consider. The news cycle is ridiculously short for the most part. Stories today will never be talked about again. Remember that billionaire guy? who was diddling kids 
and then for some reason died and the cameras broke? Hey, that's gone, right? So combine that with the game of one-upping, and you realize that all media is constantly in a perpetual state of becoming more and more extreme. Why I tell you this now, the C- at CNN has published, I think, four or five smears of Joker, of the movie Joker. And I'll tell you why it is. Because they wrote about Joker. It was interesting. People clicked it. So then they say, ooh, we want more of this. People clicked it. Say, so ooh, we got to do more. Here's the problem. The problem isn't that people are clicking it. The people are interested in the Joker. The problem is you can't make something interesting if you're saying the same thing you already did. And that's a big problem for everybody. Combine that with our short attention spans. I mean, look, people are going to get over the Joker news cycle and it's going to disappear. But you also end up with fake outrage, the desperation to validate yourself. This plays into the same phenomenon in cancel culture. Somebody wants, you know, and, and hoax hate crimes. I think the underlying cause of everything in the culture war is the, is the, short, the short nature of our, our attention spans, the short attention span, 90 second culture combined with a desperate need to one up. Content becomes shorter and shorter, and it's got to be more and more extreme. You get activists who want to prove the bigots are real, that white supremacy is on the rise. So they, they will inflame. They will lie. You see where this comes in. Everything we're seeing can be, can be uh, uh, summarized in this picture of a woman with a big booty. How many women do you know have butts like that? And I, I know it's silly and funny. It's meant to be a little bit, but, no, but this is a real point. Very few women have that figure. And this person's saying it's fake. I don't know who this woman is, but probably fake. A fake big butt. And that's what the media is doing. When you, here's what I want you to do. When they tell you that white supremacy is on the rise again, look at the actual numbers and then think about this big fake butt. Now, it's one thing for her to, for, for her to Photoshop her body and make $1.5 million. But what if you work in politics? Well, if you want to make that $1.5 million, you got you to Photoshop something else. So they do it in the way that they can get away with it. You can't lie, but you can massage the truth, right? This story is going to go away. This story will be gone. By the time you leave this video, you'll probably never think of that story again. And if someone else wants to make the point, they need to show you the next step, the bigger butt. And that's what everything tends to be. In order to prove that, you know, social justice is true and righteous, well, there's got to be a villain, right? So they make it up. And then every day they make the villain worse because it's the only way to get you to pay attention. And every day the, the, the monster grows bigger and bigger. But in reality, there's nothing there, man. There is no monster. It's the media making things up. I think all of this is just a sign. It's all going to burst. I, I think the bubble popped. I think it just, it just exploded. I think the bubble has burst already. And now we're in the come down phase. Seeing Ukraine, uh, Russia, Russia Gate 2, Ukrainian Boogaloo. And that, that was for me when the bubble just went... Nothing was left. All the criticisms of Trump just feel like nothing now. They, they, they've seriously wound everyone so tight. Snap. Now I was talking to someone recently and I said, I, I'm not going to cover the Ukraine stuff. I'm, gonna, I'm not playing this game anymore. Went through years of Russiagate. I'm not doing it. And, and I was told, well, you know what, man? We're all tired of it. It's just the same thing every day. We're all tired of it. And I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm not going it, to. It just all of a sudden now. Trump could literally like throw a bag of puppies in the water and a video would come out and I'd be like, I don't believe it. I, it's a fake video, whatever. Don't care. Don't want to hear it. It's just you've, not, you, you, you've got no credibility. I just don't want to hear it anymore. And that's what happens. 
They, if they squeeze harder and harder, eventually, there's nothing left to squeeze. Just, it's all gone. And that's where I think we're at. I think now someone's, you know, they've squeezed the balloon and it's popped. And now we're just in the phase where everything's falling to the ground. And eventually people are just going to be like, well, what else is on? Click. But in the meantime, hopefully, I, I should say, hopefully that's the case. Otherwise, the escalation will continue. Anyway, stick around. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. Well, I'll tell you one Democratic district that'll probably flip to the Republicans in 2020, and it is Democratic Rep. Rep. Alyssa Slotkin's district. You see, she recently did a kind of town hall thing, and I respect her for doing it, and she came out and talked about why she was supporting Trump, and she got booed. She got booed, and people were upset, and I can understand why they're upset. I have never been a fan of Trump. I have never been a fan of Obama. I've been a fan of Bernie Sanders. However, I think when you look at the media and you look at how they play this game, the the most annoying thing to me is the lies. How they, you know, look, during the Obama years, go back to my main channel. I've got videos critical of Obama. Like, that's just the way it was because the media was, was, was just kissing up to him. They ignored these things and it was terrifying. With Trump, it's kind of the inverse. The media smears and slams him all day, every day. Great, I get it. We heard, like, I understand but then when it comes to the, you know, when, when it comes to Trump supporters being beaten, these are things left out of the media. And so I want to make sure we're having a full conversation. Well, here's the thing. I do not believe impeaching the president is the right thing to do. I believe it's extremely divisive, extremely divisive. And we have to consider a few things. Let's operate under the premise that Donald Trump really did try to destroy Joe Biden's political rival, which is not the case. Any, any, any rational person can see that Trump is just obsessed with the origin of the Mueller probe. And I'm not saying it's a negative thing, but he's desperately trying to figure out what happened. And I understand why. But it just so happens Joe Biden's running for president. I do not believe Trump did this because he's going after Biden. That's my opinion. OK, in that, I think fine. If we want to have an investigation into that issue, we should. Well, Trump released the transcript. Let's be done with it. Was there quid pro quo? No. Yet for some reason, they're still pushing impeachment. So the point is, even if you think Trump did something wrong, you have to realize that, you know, be warned, impeachment might not get you your victory. It might only solidify you can't defeat a president when he breaks the law, and it might actually fracture this country in very dangerous ways. Now, I tend to err on the side of if Trump has done something impeachable, get him out regardless. No compromise. We will not allow the Constitution to be violated. But what we see here is at best, or I'm, I'm sorry, at worst for the president, inappropriate. About it, he probably shouldn't have been engaging in these conversations the way he was. That's all I can do. Well, when she comes out and says she's going to support impeachment, people said, why are, you, why are you supporting a coup? This is a district that Trump won. Let's read this story. And I got some, I got some more information in this, in this regard. The Daily Caller reports, Democratic Michigan Rep. Alyssa Slotkin received a cold welcome from her constituents last week after she gave her support for an impeachment inquiry targeting President Donald Trump. Slotkin and six other freshman Democrats wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post late last month announcing support for an impeachment inquiry over Trump's now infamous phone call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. The call prompted House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to launch an official impeachment inquiry after months of pressure from her caucus. Quote, Myself and six other members of the freshman class in Congress, all former military or former CIA, wrote in a joint op-ed and came out in support of an impeachment inquiry, Slotkin said during a town hall. 
And I want you to know from me, I wanted you to know from me. I respect that. I respect that she came out and said, I want to talk about it. But she was booed quite a bit. People then started clapping. Others booed over the clapping. Slotkin's comments were greeted with mostly boos and a smattering of cheers. At one point, a constituent told Slotkin that the freshman congressman lost her support when she turned against the president. Quote, when you fell off the cliff for me was when you joined the coup against our president, the woman said. Another man ripped Slotkin and Democrats for rushing to impeach Trump. What's the rush with impeachment? The man asked. Impeachment is a serious thing. This would be only the fourth president in history to be impeached. And to try to impeach him on something like this is really stretching it. Bravo, sir. I agree. It's like the Democrats are, are, are acting like impeachment is just something to be thrown about. They won't stop talking about it. Even before this, they treat it like a plaything. It is a serious issue to upend on a democratic election. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, a, a constitutional republic democratic process. It's complicated. But they, they, there you go. They're stretching it. And they're acting like it's this willy nilly thing. Slotkin represents a district which Trump won by 4% in 2016, and she's expected to be a top 2020 target for Republicans as they aim to take back the House. And guess what? I would be surprised if she held her seat. I really, really would, especially after that. Now, listen, the reaction was mixed, but I agree with the constituents there. You know, I, she seems like the kind of person I'd vote for. I don't, I don't know much of her policies or her district, but she seems more like a moderate. And, 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 and I'll mention this too. When Tulsi came out supporting impeachment, I was also dismayed. Absolutely. Like, listen, man, it's, it's an opinion. Just because Joe Biden's running for president does not put him above scrutiny. We can, now the media calls it a conspiracy theory. I'm not playing your game. I do not trust you. We're done. You've lost all credibility after Russia. So now you're playing this game instead of telling me why I should vote for you. I'm sick and tired of saying it, and I'm sick and tired of hearing this. Now let's move on to the next story. Interestingly, conservative news goes to war over impeachment. Conservative news, they say. Well, I don't think it's that serious because, you know, one of the things that I highlight is Tucker Carlson said it was inappropriate for Trump to make the call. Oh, come on, calm down. But people are upset with Drudge. <clears throat> so let's read the story from Axios. They say the impeachment process has widened the rift between solidly pro-Trump media and conservative-leaning news outlets, especially at Fox News, where daytime news anchors and primetime opinion hosts often find themselves at odds. Let me talk about the Fox News thing. Fox News has become a bit more moderate, and I think it's because they saw the hole in the market. People like me. Fox is smart. You know, they used to be for conservatives because conservatives didn't have an outlet. Now they're changing because moderate liberals don't have an outlet. Conservative internet media is actually pretty big and pretty successful. They do face uh, uh, undue scrutiny and censorship in a lot of ways, but they dominate. You know, especially when you look at uh, the News Whip report I've cited several times, the biggest digital uh, conservative site, I believe, is, I believe is Daily Wire for last year, and at like 130 million, and The Root on the left with 25 million. So we can see conservative media does a good job. Here's the thing. What am I supposed to watch? I can't watch CNN. They lie all the time. It's trash conspiracy nonsense. They turn around and accuse Fox News of being trash conspiracy nonsense. I, I don't care. I don't trust you. I don't really trust Fox News all that much. The point is, I think Fox saw this. They saw that there were, you know, old school liberal types, moderates who were disaffected, and they said, we can dominate. 
Now, this is good news for conservatives because it means you're bringing in people like me under the umbrella and the left is losing their stranglehold culturally. But in the end, it means that Fox is going to start entertaining people who do not like Donald Trump. This has resulted in Trump getting angry. But I'll tell you what, man, I would much rather see the Trump media and Fox arguing and the weirdo MSNBC conspiracy stuff in the trash. Because at least, at least I can sit down with Glenn Beck, right? And we, this, this is really fascinating. It's a fascinating phenomenon. I went on the Glenn, Glenn Beck's show. We talked. We talked about pro-life and pro-choice and we disagreed. And at the end, we kind of just, I don't know. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was amazing. Mutual respect. I, I understood his position. He explained some, some things to me. I'm like, wow, I really do understand how you feel that way. I don't feel that way. And even though I understand you, I, I'm not changing my mind. And that's what we need to happen, right? Let's read a little bit about this. They say, why it matters. It's rare for the tensions between conservative outlets to be aired so openly as they're being forced to choose between backing Trump at all costs and reporting, reporting candidly on his troubles. Now I will stress for those that have now stepped up and said, hey, it's inappropriate. We can recognize that. Hey, man, this is why I don't like supporting people. This is why I don't like getting my politicians because they're not me. You know, the only person I can trust myself for the most part, I'm not a, I'm not a mean, crazy pessimist. I believe you can trust people to an extent, but I'll tell you what, man, you rely on others too much. You will be let down. We need to rely on each other for a lot of things, but for the most part, you got to fight for yourself. And that means when I look at Trump, I say, I don't, I don't, I don't care who you are, what you do. You're not going to get my support. I'm not going to tell people to vote for you. It's never going to happen. I will give you credit if you do something good. And I will give you criticism if you do something bad. And Trump's Saudi Arabia stuff I've criticized several times in the past few days, the strike on Syria, the, the raids in Yemen, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Been there, done that. I don't need to do it every single day. But then we can talk about pulling out of Syria. It's complicated, but I lean towards that being good. It was like 25 to 50 troops. The point is, you don't want to lock yourself into a position where you have to defend somebody all the time. If, if it comes out that Trump threw a bag of puppies off a bridge and they can prove it, yeah, you better believe I'm going to go hard against the puppy, you know, bridge throwing president. But that's just not reality. The media is lying. Orange Man is kind of bad, but he's not that bad. To, to, to quote Flecka's talks, he's not that bad, right? MSNBC claims he wants to, he's talking about exterminating Latinos. You've lost it, okay? He's a conservative Republican president. Great. Not a big fan. That's fine. We'll have an election. We'll move on. Be an adult. Grow up and stop shrieking at the top of your lungs. That's the big problem. So here's what I'll say to this. This story I find hilarious. It's completely healthy. You know, the problem is they, they, these people live in this bubble where they don't realize conservative media is not a monolith. There are like, this is shocking to them because they're in a bubble. They don't realize it. Isn't that funny? It's like, oh, Tucker Carlson was critical of the president. And it's not the first time. Why are you all surprised now that people are divided over the appropriateness of a phone call? It happens all the time. This shows you that the conservatives talking about it are acting on principle. I remember when Trump fired the missiles on Syria and all the big Trump personalities were outraged. Where, where's, where's the big breaking story? Oh, no, they're turning on Trump. No, they're not. They're turning on someone who betrayed the principles they, they, they voted for. It's that simple. But I guess a lying bubble echo chamber media can't realize that. There are a lot of news outlets, digital blogs that will defend Trump no matter what. Go over to r slash the Donald. It's a community dedicated to support for the president. And as such, you will never see them rag on the president. They'll support him all the way through. And that's what they're for. There are certain websites and companies 
that are dedicated to just supporting the president at all costs. Fine, you're allowed to exist. But conservative media is not that. It just so happens that for the most part, they agree with the president. I will also interestingly point out, I don't know where I end up on any of the spectrum, but I have no problem playing, like having the conversation. I have given credit to Elizabeth Warren for her talk about big tech. I have given credit to uh, AOC for saying impeachment is, is, is a distraction from core issues, though I, had to, I disagree with her issues. I've praised her for me with Ted Cruz and for also calling out big tech surveillance. I have no problem doing that when it is warranted. When they act like everyone in conservative media is only just saying things like they're all grifting, it's the most insane thing ever. Think about it. This mentality is that there are no real conservatives. They're all just pretending to be conservative in the media because that's what they think each other wants to hear. How about this? They have principled opposition to things being done. So when Trump drops bombs on Syria, they get angry. When Trump places a phone call that some deem inappropriate, Tucker Carlson calls it inappropriate. And when the media lies, we all call you out for lying. Anyway, I'll wrap it up. You know, I really, really, I'm just getting sick and tired of this narrative. It's just nonstop every day. I'll, I'll, you know, I got to say this. It's frustrating, but trust me when I say I just talk about what I feel like talking about. I don't care about the views. I don't care about the clicks. I talk about something I think is interesting. We've gotten to the point now where I'm sick of the Ukraine stuff. I don't find it interesting anymore. I don't care. I don't care. It is, it is. Look, let me give you all a piece of advice. We are all addicted to the Trump cycle. We are all addicted to it because when they lie about the president and, and not all of it's lies, but a lot of it is, we get angry. Why is the media lying? Okay. Why are they lying? Stop. And eventually you get, you, you get, you get dug into this trench where you refuse to back down and say, I will, I will not stop. You know what? For me, as far as I'm concerned, they're firing blanks. They've lost the plot. It is insanity at this point. And I don't want to hear it anymore. And I think we would all do better by whenever you see that article about, about Trump, you just don't click it. Do not reward them. But what can I say? News is news. You choose what you want to read. Don't, don't let me tell you. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you guys tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel, podcast at 6.30 p.m. I'll see you all next time.